Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. I want to share with you, I know if you were here Wednesday night, and if you were online, you you heard it already. But uh, we were able to connect with our churches and some of our pastors from Cuba uh, Wednesday night before service and was able to have a, a FaceTime with them or either a Zoom call. I'm not sure what it was. It was one of those things. It was good. It, it was good. It was uh, able to talk. And also, I wanted to share with you uh, some texts that we have received uh, from our. Uh, the pastors that we work with, one of our pastors, Angel, that we've helped several times. Uh, we've been able to get some money to them and they've been able to buy some groceries and uh, they take them to other, and uh, the only way he has to travel is on a motorcycle with a little uh, trailer behind it. And this was the text that we received uh, last week. Yesterday I returned from my trip carrying more than 200 kilograms of food. That's a pretty good bunch of food on a motorcycle and a little buggy to a small church that is in another province by the sea. They were in great need because they were in compulsory isolation for 40 days. They could not leave their homes, and it was very hard on them. And I traveled a total of 300 kilometers to bring him the donation and give them to your pastor who blessed all the families of the church. This is part of what he can take. He took 50 kilograms of rice, 100 kilograms of pumpkin, 30 kilograms of sweet potatoes, 5 liters of oil, 20 kilograms of protein, and he brought with the help of you and your church. The pastor was almost crying because he no longer had anything to eat that day. Now, this this was very exciting to me, but uh, also heartbreaking. It says, um, brothers, we're doing a great work. And your team is present in Cuba today more than ever, reaching the poorest. The crown of your church is big, my friend, and you have no idea how much a blessing you are. Thank you on their behalf of what we've been able to do. We'd like to do more, but we're limited to how we can get money into Cuba. And, uh, but every time we get a chance, we're getting some money in and uh, pray for them. They're having a very, very, very difficult time. And thank you for allowing us to be uh, a part of it. Uh, my good friend James Davis has written another awesome book entitled The Faith Book. Now, I know we already have a faith book, right? We call it the Bible. But in his book, he opened up my eyes to some things in that faith book so that I can understand this faith book a little better. So I asked him if he minded me using some of his ideas and his thoughts. And he, of course, he gave me his go ahead and with uh, appreciation. But most of you know that I told you I've been planning a series on the Old Testament. And I wasn't sure what direction to take that. But after reading that book and the directing of the Holy Spirit, I felt like he's narrowed my focus to a series on Old Testament prophets. Old Testament prophets. And if you were here Wednesday night, you might have heard me challenge you that we were going to talk about the first prophet in the Bible. The first prophet in the Bible. And I know uh, hopefully some of you tried to find that. And I'm sure that some of you did. If you 
tried. You've probably found it. And some of you may find out that you were wrong. I was wrong one time too. I want you to know that, so feel right at ease. But uh, we need to understand that uh, we're looking at some things. And we need to understand too that as great as this Bible is, there are a lot of things in it and a lot of things that are not in it. How many knows there's a lot of things not in the Bible? See, as John closed his Gospel of John, last verse in that, in John chapter uh, 21, verse 25, notice what he said. John 21, verse 25. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. After talking to Gator in his childhood, if everything was written what he did in his childhood, it took a big Oxford to contain that book. Just think what Jesus did. All the things that he did from creation and prior to creation, he was there. He said, if it written it all, the world could not contain it. So we, we, we understand that we can't get bogged down and we can't get, uh, there's a lot of things that we know is not written in the Bible. There's a lot that we know about Abraham, but how many knows that there's a lot about Abraham we don't know? We know very little about Adam and he lived over 900 years. Did you know Adam was still living when Enoch was living? He lived a long time. If it just wrote, I, I mean, think about it. What if the Bible had told us all the names that he named all the animals? We've been here a while. You say, what are you saying? I, I'm telling you that there's a lot of things that we don't have, that we can't, and under, we can't explain and we'll never be able to understand. But if you go with me to the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians, and we're going to start in the New Testament before we go to the Old Testament. But in Colossians, it speaks about our new life in Christ. How many are glad that you've got saved and you've got a new life in Christ? But in Colossians, it speaks about that new life, but then it also tells us how that new life comes about. Colossians chapter 2, begin reading at verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or new moon or Sabbath. Now, what's he calling it? We're going to talk, here's some rules and regulations. How many knows that rules and regulations that choke you to death? I know that some of you don't want to hear this, but I grew up in the Assemblies of God. I thank God for the Assemblies of God. I love Assemblies of God. But, but Brother Brown, we had a little bit of legalism. Rules and regulations, wasn't necessarily bad, but it certainly wasn't necessarily what God had for us to do. And it says, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Now, in order to have a shadow, what do you have to have? You got to have a light. And you also have to have something that casts that shadow. And in Jesus Christ, we have both. We have the light. And we have the substance, and he casts a shadow. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, notice that's capitalized, speaking of God, or speaking of Christ, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through his joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. 
if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used. According to the human precepts and teachings, they have indeed have an appearance of wisdom and pr promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. If making rules would have been good enough, we would have never had more than the Ten Commandments. I said, if making rules would have been good enough, we'd have never gotten need for all of the other things. Did you know how many, how big a book it would take to publish all of the laws in the United States of America? I mean, this room could not contain it. Rules and regulations. Now, I want you to understand something. God's not opposed to rules. God's not opposed to regulations. But all the rules and all the regulations will not save us. Amen. And I know some of you say, well, pastor, you said you are going to speak on the first prophet. And you haven't even went to the Old Testament yet. Well, I haven't. And we can't go yet. Because we've got to look at a few more things and remind ourselves how blessed we are to have the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, I, I hear preachers say, well, I don't preach out of the Old Testament. That's not pertinent. Friend, without the Old Testament, we don't understand the New Testament. I said, without the Old Testament, you don't understand the New Testament. And without the New Testament, the Old Testament is not fulfilled. I'm thankful that we have the whole word, that we have it all. But so we have to look at the New Testament that will fulfill the Old Testament to help us to understand. And we have been blessed to have the Old Testament and the New Testament. In Luke, we see the first prophet named. And I'll have to tell you that I would have missed this. If you'd have given me a quiz a couple of weeks ago and said, who was the first prophet? I wouldn't have got it right. I wouldn't have got it right. And I know that surprised you because you probably think I'm always right. I would have missed it. I would have missed it. You say, well, who was it? Well, whenever I tell you a name, you're going to say, I don't know if I believe that. I'm not asking you to believe me, believe Jesus. Because this is written in red. Jesus tells us the name of the first prophet. Go with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 45. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. Now, if you backed it up, you talk about where it talked about the light in us. That's speaking of Jesus. And this lawyer said, You're insulting us. And Jesus said, Woe to you lawyers. Now, that woe does not mean stop, it means you bunch of nitwits. You folks, woe unto you, for you load people down with burdens or rules and regulations hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. 
So you're witnesses and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them and built their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles. Aren't you glad God sent prophets and apostles? Some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation from the blood of Abel. How many of you thought that he was, he was a prophet? I never thought about Abel being a prophet. I mean, he got killed. We know nothing about him except he got killed. But it says from Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge that you did not enter yourself, and you hindered those who were entering. He said, Jesus was speaking to those religious leaders. We need to understand something. Religion is not of God. I said, you said, wait a minute, in Christian religion? Well, I guess you say it is a religion, but all religions are not Christian. And so there's a lot of religion. And these people were teaching a religion. They were giving them all kind of rules and regulations, something to live by. And Jesus rebuked them, and he said, your rules and regulations don't cut it. Now, that's a good Oxford English, isn't it? It just doesn't get it. It says, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah. Now, I realize this doesn't fit the Greek Testament or Greek alphabet or the uh, Hebrew alphabet, but for the English alphabet, he says, from A to Z. From the prophets, from A to Z. How was Abel a prophet? How was he a prophet? Well, let's look and see what it tells us. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 37. Acts chapter 10, verse 37. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee and from the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on the cross. Uh, but notice this next word. This is one of those but God moments. But God. They hung him on the cross. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness. Now, if Abel was the first prophet, what was he bearing witness to? Jesus. 
all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins and through his name. Now, I know you say, well, I don't quite understand this. Folks, I can tell you, I've been given a lot of thought. I don't quite understand it either. All I know is what the book tells me. And this book of faith says that Abel was proclaiming the story of Jesus thousands of years before Jesus was ever born. He was pointing people to Jesus. The first prophet and the last prophet from A to Z from the Alpha and the Omega was pointing from that Jesus was the answer to the world's problems. It's that blood that flows from Genesis through Revelations that separates Christendom from all the other religions. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Abel was that first prophet. Even Abel was pointing to Jesus, the truth, of the blood begins in Genesis and runs through Revelations. What can wash away my sins? What? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And they say, well, I, I don't know. Well, let's, let's look a little bit deeper. Go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. You know, God spoke it into existence. And I guarantee you that if God wanted to give the technical description of the creation of the earth, we would not have been able to get that, that in this room. So he just says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So that what was seen was not made out of things that were visible. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, though through which he was commended as righteous. Why was he righteous? Because he gave a sacrifice that was pleasing to God by accepting his gift, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Though he died, he still speaks. Even though he died, here we are some thousands of years later, Abel's voice of the prophet is still heard. The first prophet, Abel, you know, and you say, I, I, I don't know. Let's go to chapter 12 of Hebrews. Chapter 12, verse 23. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. I don't know if you thought about it, but the word martyr and, and, and witness is the very same thing. You should be wit witnesses, same root word. And guess what? Cain was a murderer. 
Abel was a martyr. I said Cain was a murderer, but Abel was a martyr. He gave his life because his brother killed him. Now his brother was trying to be religious. How many knows when they crucified Jesus, they were trying to be religious. They were trying to do the right thing. They said there was a better sacrifice than Abel. One more before we leave. Go over to the little book of Jude, only one chapter long. Now, Jude was the earthly brother of Jesus. But notice what it says in verse 11. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain. Now, who's he talking about? He's talking about people that blasphemed. Talking about people that were adulterous, people that were doing things. He says, they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's era and perished in Korah's rebellion. They perished because they put their faith and trust in rules and regulations. Now, I know some of you say, well, pastor, aren't rules and regulations? Well, I can tell you, our world would be a mess without rules and regulations. I said, we would be a mess without rules and regulations. I mean, it would be worse than Black Friday. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a mess, but at least we'd have some rules and regulations. How would you like to go to a, any, any place without rules and regulations? It'd be a mess. So I'm not telling you that rules and regulations are bad. I'm just telling you rules and regulations won't save you. Rules and regulations won't save you. And I know some of you say, well, we've spent all this time. What was Abel prophesying about? Well, he was pointing people to the blood. He was pointing people to Jesus. You say, I still don't get it. Okay. I'm a slow learner too. I understand. Go to chapter 4 of Genesis. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Now some of us say he began to pout. He got upset because God got mad at him. God was upset with him because he brought a sacrifice. Now, it had nothing necessarily to do with what he brought. It was the idea of how he brought it. It was not a blood sacrifice. It was a sacrifice of something that he had produced. How many people in the world today think that if they can give enough to God... If they can produce something, Brother Bob, that their works can earn their salvation. Was it wrong what he did? No, it just did not fulfill the obligation that a sacrifice to cover up our sins has to be a blood 
sacrifice. He offered something of what he had produced. There are a lot of great people in the world today. I said, there are a lot of great people in the world today that are working their fingers to the bone to produce something that's not going to be acceptable to God. What they're doing is not, may not be wrong. They may be caught up in just causes, but they're trying to please God with their works by obeying the rules and regulations. And the Bible says that those rules and regulations or their works are as filthy rags. What Abel presented was not a blood sacrifice. But then he got upset. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, you, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. So even after Abel was dead, what did it say over the New Testament? That his blood cried out. And so he said, his blood is crying out. You killed him. He was a martyr. He sacrificed himself. He gave himself a blood sacrifice. And I know some of you say, well, I, I still don't know that you're right on that. I, is that what he really said? Now, I want you to know, so I, I, some, of you need, you, some of you will want to write this down. Why? Because it's really good. It's really good. And, and, and you will hear me say this in, a, in some funerals uh, later on. Because it really impacts. Are you ready for it? You got your pen and pencil out? For the Christian, death is not a period. It's a comma. Isn't that good? I said, for the Christian, death is not a period. It's a comma. So when Abel died, it didn't say he's dead and gone. It just said comma. His blood is still crying out from the ground. And I know some say, well, I still don't get it. Well, let's back up a little bit. Let's, let's back up just a bit to when Adam and Eve sinned. Remember that? Just a, just a little bit before that. They sinned. What did Adam do? He sewed together some fig leaves for what purpose? To cover his sin. Why? Because he did not obey the rules and regulations. And God said, that's not good enough. There's got to be what? A blood sacrifice. He killed an animal. The first blood sacrifice we find was when Adam and Eve sinned. God killed an animal to cover them. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Think about it. Abel was killed by a religious person. 
Who do you think killed Jesus? Bunch of religious people. See, from the very first pages of recorded history begins revealing the ribbon of blood that flows from the Old Testament all the way to the book of Revelation. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. It was spoke about in the Old Testament, but it was revealed and fulfilled on the old rugged cross where Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, that was slain before the foundation of the world so that we might all have eternal life. See, man does not need a religion. There are plenty of religions to go around. I'm told that there are over 9,000 different religions. 9,000 different religions. They also don't need another God. I'm told that the Hindus have millions of gods. Everything's a God. We don't need another God. We don't need another religion. And some of you may say, well, well, you know, Cain had good intentions. He may have. You know, I, I don't know. I, you know, he was before my day. I did not know him personally. I don't know what his intentions were. He might have had good intentions. But how many believe that Paul, before he changed his name was changed to Saul, had some good intentions? He thought he was doing the right thing. There are people in the world today that think they're doing the right thing by trying to do away with Christianity. They have great intentions. Paul had great intentions. But you know what? He, he was the one that penned the word that says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. They may have obeyed all the regulations, but he's also the one, you know, it says that our works are what? Filthy rags. So even though he was zealous for God, he had good intentions, he had great zeal, but he came to the realization that it was only through the blood of Jesus Christ that he could be redeemed. It was only through the blood of Jesus Christ that you and I can be saved. The issue what Abel was prophesying was the fact that there was a blood that had to be shed thousands of years before it happened. But he was the first prophet pointing our way to that old rugged cross, pointing our way to Calvary, pointing our way to Jesus. The writer of Hebrews said, without the remission of, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. The Gospel of John may have said it best. John chapter 1, verse 9. Worship team, come on up. John chapter 9, verse 1. Or excuse me, chapter 1, verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. What was that light? It was Jesus. 
Everything else was a shadow. He was the true light. And the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But notice what verse 12 says. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Not through obeying rules and regulations. Those can be good, but they can also be bad. It's not the rules and regulations that saves us. It's all those who believe in the name of Jesus Christ. He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Old Testament was all about the law. It was all about regulations. We needed that. We had to see that to see that we needed a Savior. We needed redemption. We needed forgiveness. But says that was the law. But after the Word became flesh, and we have seen His glory as the only Son of God from the Father, full of grace and truth, John wore, bore witness about Him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from the, his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. And we are glad you received grace upon grace. Not works upon works, not rules upon rules, not regulations upon regulations, but we received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. The rules and regulations were given through Moses. The Pharisees, the Sadducees kept adding to those rules. Those were the lawyers that Jesus rebuked. Said you keep putting more rules and more rules and more rules and, you, and making more rules does not solve the problem. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made him known. As I've already said, there's a lot of things I don't understand. A lot I don't know about Abel. I have no idea how much he understood. But he understood enough that God calls him a prophet. And they understood that he gave a blood sacrifice that was acceptable to God. I'm so glad today we don't have to give another sacrifice that Jesus Christ was the sacrifice that was shed once and for all so you and I could have forgiveness. That you and I would receive grace upon grace. That you and I would have grace and truth. And today, I realize that probably the great majority of us are Christians today. Maybe all of us, I don't know. But if you've ever depended upon your works, you depended upon the fact that, well, I've obeyed most of the rules and regulations. Friends, that's not going to cut it. The only thing that re received forgiveness is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the lamb that was slain before the seen God. We haven't seen God, but we've heard from his prophets. 
We have seen and heard the word of God. And we know about the blood of Jesus. The issue is, have we accepted the blood of Jesus? And not just for our salvation. And I know some say, not just for salvation? Oh, that's the main thing. But how about receiving it for his healing, restoration, all of his powers that God has given us, all through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to sing that song we've already sang today. And I'd like to ask you if you're able to stand and, want to, and, we'll, and desire to stand as we worship the Lord. Since there's a river of gladness that pours from Emmanuel's veins. And as we sing it, I want to encourage you to worship the Lord. And thank God that it's not the rules and regulations that's going to get you into heaven. But it's the fact if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or not. And if you need prayer today, the altars are open. If you want to receive Jesus Christ today, the altars are open. If you need something else from God, God is here to minister to us. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.